Hey, are you sick of being cooped up inside for the past year? How about getting out and also doing something to support Israel and the Jewish people? Join us for our first ever Bless Israel Virtual 5K. We've put together a three-mile path that actually walks you through a route in Israel. You can walk or run the week of April 12th at your own pace and in your own timing. Just sign up by March 21st and join an international community of believers who are all committed like you to Israel. For more details, go to a Jew and a Gentile Discuss.org. The ultimate commonality of Passover and Easter, they're about deliverance through a lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb that takes away the sin of the world and delivers us from slavery into freedom. Jew and Gentile alike, Carly, we can both celebrate that through Yeshua, through Jesus. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world and the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Today, we're going to talk specifically about Passover and Easter, two holidays that are coming up. Passover is March 27th. Easter is April 4th. This is actually the beginning of a three-part series. We're going to focus today on Passover and Easter, next week on the foods that are often consumed during those holidays, and then the third week specifically about the Holy Week. So let's discuss. So Ezra, Easter is obviously the Christian holiday here that celebrates the resurrection of Jesus. As I mentioned, in a couple weeks, we will talk about Holy Week. Um, By the time this podcast is released, Ash Wednesday has already happened, which is the beginning of Lent. Uh, If you have a Catholic background or a more liturgical background, you've probably gone through Ash Wednesday and, you know, had the the cross ashes on your forehead or seen that, probably not so much this year during COVID, but in normal years. Uh, then there's Lent, the 40-day preparation for Easter. Um, lots of people give something up here or they fast during this time. Again, with my Catholic upbringing, we didn't eat meat on Fridays, which is definitely still a thing my family follows by. And then the last week of Lent, which we'll talk more about in a couple weeks, the Holy Week, we'll talk about Good Friday and Palm Sunday, and then, of course, Easter. So, like I mentioned, Easter this year is April 4th, and I don't have to tell our Christian audience how important Easter is as a believer. That was the day Jesus resurrected, three days after Good Friday, when Jesus was crucified. So, I mean, this is pretty heavy, Carly, the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection. I mean, these are central events in the New Testament narrative for Christians. This is, right, and for all believers, Jew or Gentile believers in Jesus, this is like, this is the center point of history, the coming of the Messiah, his death for our sins, his resurrection to confirm his Messiahship, that he is who he says he was. So with all of that being true, I'm expecting to hear big things when I ask you how you celebrated this holiday growing up as a Catholic. Yeah, well, we definitely went to church, starting with Good Friday, which was a very solemn service. Actually reminds me a little bit of how you described Yom Kippur, a very solemn day. on the Jewish calendar. Um, But then on Easter, of course, very celebratory. Uh, People are wearing bright colors, et cetera. But I think what was interesting is that I didn't really understand uh, the importance of Easter until I became a born-again believer. When I was a child, Easter was more about the Easter bunny, which unfortunately has, you know, pagan God traditions and its history. 
Uh, but it was more about looking for eggs and, you know, getting together with your family, of course, was a big part of it. And food was part of it, too. But it was more focused on the Easter Bunny, less focused on Jesus's resurrection. So, Ezra, obviously, you, you know, we've talked about your upbringing. What was your thought about what Easter was? Yeah, you know, and and as I mentioned before in some of our kind of introductory episodes in the series, Carly, um, I'm I'm the child of what we can call a mixed marriage. So one Jewish parent and one non-Jewish or Gentile, if you will, as we say on this podcast, parent. So my father is Jewish. My mother is not. She married a Jewish man. She understood she had Jewish sons. And so we were kind of raised somewhere in the middle. And some of our audience, we know because you've written to us and statistically, it's likely that you're out there, whether you've kind of engaged with this part of your identity or not up till this point. Some of you are, are also the children of mixed marriages, or maybe you don't have a Jewish parent, but you have a Jewish grandparent and you know that that's sort of a part of your heritage. So depending on whether you see life you know, as the glass half full or whether you see it as the glass half empty, you could say, I got to celebrate both holidays, or you could say I was somewhere awkwardly in the middle and was very confused. And depending on what day it is and what my mood is, I might answer that differently, Carly. But I remember, you know, growing up, I remember my mom would do the Easter basket thing and we would have the colored Easter eggs. And, you know, it was this celebration of industrial food dye and like every good Christian holiday for for children, sugar, right? Like copious amounts of high fructose corn syrup and other processed sweeteners that made these holidays so nice. And so I remember this and, you know, all the candy and the chocolate and the Cadbury cream eggs that, you know, I would go into like a pre-diabetic coma after I ate one, but they were so good. And I was only allowed one per day during that week. And we could never get them until they were on sale. But anyway, that's another, uh, you know, this isn't the place for uh, counseling. This is the place for telling the story. So uh, I remember that. And then I contrast that with remembering, you know, going to my grandma's house in New Jersey growing up and uh, we would go in and we would, you know, it was like a couple hours before Passover would start and my grandma's preparing the Seder, more on that in a couple minutes, this big Passover meal that you do and all the tradition around it and all the special foods that had to be on the table. But the whole house, Carly, would reek of onion, which is pretty much every Jewish holiday. Reek of onion. Everybody, everything, the tablecloth, grandma's clothes, everything smelled like onion because everything had onion. And... The egg on the table during the Passover Seder was this hard-boiled one that you weren't allowed to eat until what felt like forever into this Passover story. It was really only about 25 minutes, but um, there was all this food on the table that you couldn't eat because it was part of the story. And so as a kid, you know, it's like these cartoons you see, right? Like at Christmas, there's the picture of the nicely, warmly lit home and all the Christian kids under the Christmas tree. And then this house where all the lights are off and there's just a candle burning and the Hanukkah celebrators are getting socks. And the parents are like, happy Hanukkah, kids. So uh, in a way, Easter and Passover felt that way as a kid. Now, I'm saying that like through the eyes of a child who is still in the process of kind of understanding the meaning of things. And like you said, right? Yes, it's the story of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the Easter story. But as a kid, until you kind of have that light bulb moment, um, about things that are momentary and things that are eternal. It's about the candy and the eggs and the fun time, right? And the good meal and the fancy clothes. And so in that way, Passover was the same way. Okay, we're telling the story. It feels like it never ends. Food on the table that doesn't look good. Everything smells like onions. 
Uh, I have to eat horseradish. Don't really understand why. I'm crying. This seems masochistic. And you don't really get the meaning yet until you do it over and over and, and you start to understand the deeper the deeper meaning and the explanation behind things. But uh, uh, more on that in a second. We could have a whole podcast about Ezra's American Jewish life, basically. That's right. My American Jewish and Christian mixed marriage child life. Yes, let's do it. So now, like, so, you know, you're talking about your childhood, you had a mixed mixed marriage upbringing, etc. Now, as a Jewish believer in Jesus, do you celebrate Easter? It's a great question. My wife is Israeli, so Easter wasn't a thing for her. But the idea of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, Yeshua, we say in Hebrew, which means salvation, certainly. Do I do it tied to a particular day on the Gregorian calendar or the Christian calendar that says this is the day Jesus resurrected? Not so much. I actually tie it more to the the timing of when Passover happens, because I believe that in the year that Jesus died and resurrected, he was stepping in as the ultimate Passover lamb. I realized I just kind of gave away the punchline of this this, uh, podcast, but um, so the, the the concept, the the recognition that I, as a Jewish person, and all of us, Jewish or Gentile alike, are all kind of under sin and the penalty of death because we were born into sin through Adam, and our need for a Savior, our need for a Messiah, the need for actually the sacrifice and the blood of a Savior to cover our sin, celebrating that Jesus stepped in in obedience to the father and said, yes, you know, I wish this cup could pass from me, but your will be done father and served as that Passover lamb dying on the cross for the salvation of Israel, for covering of the sins of Israel and also for covering of the sins of the whole world. And then that everything Jesus said, claiming to be the son of God, claiming to be one with the father, claiming to be the Messiah of Israel, claiming to be salvation, claiming to be one who before Abraham was, he says, I am, which is blasphemy, unless he's telling the truth, his resurrection three days after he's crucified, uh, what's celebrated on Easter Sunday morning, or we say kind of in, you know, a Jewish and Gentile mixed believing community resurrection day, that confirms everything Jesus said, right? His resurrection from the dead. If, if he can conquer death, then he's conquered everything. Because the Bible's very clear, the last enemy, in essence, the last, the final part of the curse for being separated from God through sin is death, is separation from God and the death in the body. If Jesus can conquer that and rise and walk out of a grave in a resurrected body, then everything else he said he is and everything he said he can and will do is true as well. So as a believer in Yeshua, in Jesus, uh, absolutely, I celebrate I, I celebrate what we can say is the gospel, right? The good news of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus uh, to cover our sins and to, and to make the way for salvation open. Yeah, so definitely you, you celebrate the intention, the meaning of it, but not particularly so much on the actual Christian day of Easter. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, so I won't be seeing you at Easter brunch, which is also a very Christian thing is, you know, find the best and biggest brunch and go out on Easter morning. That's right. Well, you might see me there depending on what you serve. I'll probably pass on the spiral ham, but, you know, the lamb butter is cute. I appreciate the lamb-shaped butter and uh, definitely pick up a couple of those babies on clearance on Easter Monday. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so before we talk about uh, Passover, which Ezra's going to get into and explain the history of that and how he celebrated that. I just want to remind our audience that this podcast is supported by donations. So if you like what you hear, 
You can support us at the website, ajunagentiledisgust.org. You can give one time, any gift helps or monthly. We also offer our Lost Tribes coffee on that website, which we've talked about many times before. It actually comes from Ethiopia, which is one of the countries that we serve uh, Jewish people and their neighbors. So you can get that coffee as often as you'd like. And if you stay tuned to the end of this episode, uh, we'll give you some information on how you can opt in to win a free bag of that coffee. So again, our website is a Jew and a Gentile org. So Ezra, back to the topic. So let's talk about Passover now. And there's kind of two topics when it comes to Passover, not really two topics, but two terms that I've heard, which is Passover and Pesach. So are those the same, different? Tell us about that. Yeah, great question. It's like we say Rosh Hashanah and the Jewish New Year, right? Are they the same? Yes. Do they mean exactly the same thing? Well, Rosh Hashanah and New Year, Rosh Hashanah is head of the year. So yeah, it's the Jewish New Year. In the same way, Passover and Pesach, and I'll do the extra phlegm at the end so our audience can hear the way you'd pronounce it in Hebrew, are the same thing, even though they don't sound the same. Um, Pesach in Hebrew means the passing over. So it's exactly the same as Passover. Well, what's being passed over? Am I passing over the horseradish to get to the brisket? No. What it means, I, I try to do that too. But anyway, you're not allowed. You're not allowed. You have, to, you have to suffer the bitter before you get to the sweet. But more on that in a minute when we talk about the Passover Seder or the Passover meal. But what's being passed over there. Uh, it actually comes from the story of Exodus and really the celebration, Carly, of Passover every year because Jewish people are commanded, you know, it says in all your generations, do this as an everlasting ordinance forever. In essence, every Nisan, every uh, first month on the Jewish calendar in the spring, either March or April, depending on how it falls with the Gregorian calendar, every year from the 14th day of the month to the 21st year to celebrate the Pesach, the passing over, and then what's called Chag HaMatzot, or uh, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, or the Matzah. You can hear in Hebrew, Matzot is Matzah, the plural form. And many of our audience have seen these giant boxes of what look like crackers that were accidentally left in Death Valley for two weeks and then repackaged at a significant upcharge start appearing in supermarkets if you live in a city with any significant Jewish population. Like these giant right? Like wheelbarrows full of these terrible dry crackers, which is actually bread made without any yeast. It's just flour and water that have been cooked very quickly. So there's no possibility of yeast getting in. But again, back to, back to the question you asked about Pesach, what's being passed over in Exodus, we understand that because of the hard heartedness of Pharaoh, right? That in essence, Israel is slaves in Egypt and we've been enslaved for hundreds of years. And as the story goes, God says to Moses, I'm going to bring you back to your people, though you tried to run away because I want to use you to deliver my people, your people, Moses's people and God's people, Israel, from slavery. And the way I'm going to do that is basically that I'm going to bring all the judgment on Pharaoh and the nation he leads because of his hard heartedness and his worship of idols, of, of pagan deities. I'm going to bring all this judgment on him and I'm going to keep turning up the temperature until he lets you go. And ultimately, what that's going to take in the final plague I'm going to bring on Egypt is the death of the firstborn. Because God knew in his, you know, people say, well, did God harden Pharaoh's heart? And if so, well, then how come Pharaoh was judged? How can a good God, you know, harden somebody's heart and then judge him for it? That's a whole other, like, you know, doctorate of theology conversation, which I'm not even going to, you know, 
poke with a 10-foot pole here on this podcast, Carly, but this idea that God understood in his foreknowledge Pharaoh's hard-heartedness and knew that it would take literally the death of every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, not just men, not just human beings, but actually every firstborn male in the livestock had to die as well, in essence, to bring Pharaoh and Egypt to their knees. But God makes a way for Israel because his desire wasn't to judge and destroy Israel. It was to deliver them and bring them into the promised land and make them free men instead of slaves. And he says, I'm going to make a way that when I myself pass over Egypt to bring death on the night of Passover, when I pass over or Pesach, uh, the land, I want you to slaughter a Passover lamb and put the blood on the doorposts and the top, the lintel, it's called that top beam between the side doorposts of your house. And when I, the Lord, pass over to destroy, I'll see the blood of the lamb and I will actually pass over. I'll move on beyond you and I'll preserve your lives because I see your obedience to cover yourself in the blood of the lamb. And so Passover or Pesach is a celebration not only of God's miraculous deliverance of Israel from slavery, but also his deliverance of Israel from death because we covered ourselves, we were obedient to the commandment and covered ourselves in the blood of the Lamb. So like you you mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, the Seder is a big part of how you celebrate Passover. Um, and we're going to go into that more in detail on all the different types of foods in, in next week's episode. But talk a little bit about about that. So like I said, you know, Easter is celebrated by going out to brunch in my family, but in your family, uh, there's a, there's a much more traditional Passover Seder that occurs. Right. And we can make fun of it, like the hard boiled egg and the horseradish. And I will make fun of it more in just a second. But before I do that, let me talk about the significance, the importance of it and the, the solemnness of the occasion. So I think you know, for our Christian audience going, okay, well, how big a deal is this Seder, right? I've heard of Passover. I know everybody eats matzah, but there's this Passover Seder to begin this week-long Feast of Unleavened Bread. It happens on what we call Erev Pesach, or the Eve of Passover, the sunset when Passover begins every year on the Jewish calendar, and families get together. Well, how big a deal is it? I think the closest parallel, Carly, is probably like Christmas Eve dinner, right? And in essence, like if you're serious about Christmas Eve as a tradition in your family, then whatever you got to do, you got to fly across the country, you got to brave the snowstorm, you pay the extra for the airline tickets, you schlep, as we say, you know, at great difficulty, you get back to family because you have to be there for this meal, right? And in, in Judaism, the Passover Seder is really the parallel, even though it's happening in springtime instead of in wintertime. This is kind of one of the central parts of Jewish family tradition. And I'll say that it's different than Christmas Eve dinner in that it goes beyond just tradition. Of course, there's a ton of tradition surrounding how every family does their Passover Seder, you know, whether they serve brisket or they serve turkey. And, you know, uh, which Passover Seder, it's called a Haggadah or a booklet to kind of guide you through the telling of the Exodus story, which Haggadah you use and whether you do most of it in Hebrew or in English. And, you know, uh, there's all these kind of variations that depend on tradition, but the actual having, you know, the actual eating of this meal together in your family is more than a tradition. It's actually a commandment. Uh, God's very clear with Moses, tell the children of Israel that you, you know, at that time it was you slaughter a lamb enough so that everybody in your family can have one. And if you can't afford one, get together with a couple families and together you buy a lamb. But the idea is you have this meal and you eat bread made without yeast and you eat bitter herbs to remember the slavery and the bitterness of slavery and what you're being delivered from. And 
this was a commandment to the Israelites, to the children of Israel, modern day, the Jewish people, wherever we are in the world, whether we're in Israel or America or Argentina or Ethiopia or what, this commandment that every year in all your generations, you're to eat this meal to begin Passover. And so, yes, there's tradition, but it's actually the fulfilling of a commandment. And, and uh, especially for religious Jewish families who really believe the the Old Testament is the word of God and who live according to its commandments. But for all Jewish families, secular or religious, there's something very special about this day. It's understood that this is kind of sacred time. You know, whatever you believe or don't believe about God, whether you have a good family relationship or a dysfunctional one, uh, and most of us would acknowledge our family relationships are dysfunctional in some way. Uh, Jew or Gentile alike, I think we have some similarities there. You get together and you have this meal. And there's certain elements that have to be on the table. So Ezra, obviously the Seder is very important. How did you actually celebrate Passover as a child? Like you mentioned, mixed marriage. Were you doing, you know, were you still doing the Seder? Yeah, you know, we we went to a Messianic Jewish congregation where I grew up in Western New York. And so there was kind of a congregational Seder or a community Seder sometime during Passover week every year. And we would participate in that. And as I mentioned, kind of over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house, we went, but not for Christmas in a, in a sleigh. We went, you know, in a Nissan station wagon for Passover. And that was special as much as it was like mildly infuriating how long we had to wait to eat and how many Hebrew prayers we had to say. It was also a tradition that I'm really fond of as I look back. And really, I mean, I'll, I'll mention here, Carly, uh, the the idea of having this meal. Yes, it's for the whole family, but so much of Jewish tradition and even Jewish commandment, like God's commands to Israel, are for the purpose of passing on history, identity, and testimony. We say in, in Hebrew, Lador Vador, and it means from generation to generation. And so really, as annoyed as the kids are, right, by how long they have to wait to eat, because there's all these prayers and history and reading of Exodus that you have to do, special things you have to do with lamb bones and boiled eggs and drinking grape juice or wine, depending on what your tradition is, before you can actually eat dinner, it really is for the kids, right? The adults don't, I mean, all of us need to be reminded every year, but primarily, the, the Passover Seder meal is like a giant object lesson for parents once a year to pass on history, testimony, and identity. History of being slaves and then freemen. Testimony of having to trust in the God who promised he would deliver us, and he did through miraculous means, and that he still preserved us alive today. And then also identity, that this is who we are. God cared enough about us as a people to preserve us and to redeem us with a with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and kind of this solemn reminder for Israel that that our redemption cost the death of a nation of males of a nation of firstborn men young old even livestock and so our our redemption came at a great cost and of course, as believers in Yeshua, in Jesus, we remember as Jewish believers, not only did our redemption from slavery in Egypt come at the cost of death, but our redemption from slavery to sin and separation from God came at a great cost. It came at the, at the cost of the blood of his son, the Messiah, uh, Jesus. And so it really is for the kids. And I remember, you know, doing the Seder and then one year the light bulb went on and it goes from kind of, oh my gosh, when are we going to eat to this real understanding 
and gratitude of, oh, this is who we are. We've been redeemed with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. It cost real blood. It cost real lives. But God cared enough about us uh, and our destiny in him to, to do that for us as a people. And I think that's really, you know, the idea of a bar mitzvah that we've talked about on other podcast bar. And if you're a girl, a bat mitzvah, a daughter of the commandments. If you're a son, bar mitzvah, son of the commandments. The idea in Judaism is that there's this age of accountability, right? That in essence, up to a point, and in traditional Judaism, it's 12 or 13 years old, your parents are responsible for your decisions. They're held accountable by God for what you do and don't do. But then there's this age of accountability where you're accountable for the commandments. God's holding you, a 12 or 13-year-old boy or girl, accountable for whether you choose to obey him or you choose to walk away from him. And so I think with the Passover Seder as well, every year your kids are hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, because it's understood that there's going to come a year when God considers you accountable, not only to hear from your parents about Passover, but to embody that identity and testimony and to live it. And then one day to teach your children from generation to generation. And so that's the idea. And I remember, you know, all kinds of crazy memories. Like we, you know, to, to my knowledge, Carly, we used, I think the Maxwell house free Passover Haggadah because Maxwell house wanted Jewish families across America to buy their coffee. And so the way they did that is they offered a free Haggadah. If you got a bunch of tins of coffee. And so I remember the Maxwell house, Passover Seder manual or Haggadah on our table. And I want to say it was about 80 pages. And really, Carly, like I can't ever remember my family getting through more than page 23 before we kind of scrapped it and just ate. And by that time, the parents had had a couple glasses of wine as is part of the Seder. And then, you know, it all kind of unraveled from there. So uh, until many years later, I couldn't actually tell you how the Seder ended, but uh Anyway, that that's uh, my family tradition. What are you going to do? Every family's different. But it is really a special time for kids, and I, I have fond memories of it. So as a Jewish believer in Jesus, how d- is your celebration different than just uh, someone who is Jewish who doesn't believe in Jesus? Because obviously you celebrate the Seder, and so do they. Right. And I think it's it's that idea again, right? Like the uh, To what degree have I been delivered from slavery? And across the world, it's this solemn evening and then week of remembering that God delivered us from slavery in Egypt. But I believe according to the scriptures, I feel like Moses and the prophets understood that these things, even the idea of a Passover lamb and putting the blood of a lamb on our doorposts as a covering from God passing over the land with death, that these were shadows and foreshadows of a greater deliverance yet to come. And the Jewish people by and large worldwide are waiting for a Messiah that we as a people generally believe hasn't come yet. If you don't believe Jesus was the Messiah, and you don't believe some of these other rabbis who have been called the Messiah in recent years of the Messiah, then you're going, yeah, I believe that somehow I'm accountable for my sin. I've fallen short of the commandments of Torah. I need a redeemer. One day the Messiah will come and he'll deliver Israel. Who knows when that day will be? But as a believer who believes that the, the that Jesus, the person, the man of Jesus in his life, in his crucifixion, in his burial, in his resurrection, fulfilled exactly who the prophets saw the Messiah would be in every detail, according to every scripture, I don't have to wait for this idea that someday maybe I'll be delivered from sin. I can, during Passover, just really take stock of my life and thank God with humility and gratitude that I have been delivered from sin, that all those in my family who call upon the name of the Lord 
who call upon the name of Jesus and, and believe in our hearts that God did raise him from the dead on that Easter, on that resurrection day, that Sunday 2,000 years ago, have already been delivered. It's not something we're waiting for one day. It's something that's happened. And our prayer every Passover is that more and more of our people would have the blinders come off our eyes to recognize the Messiahship of Jesus, that he is, that he was, and he is everything he said he was and everything the prophets foresaw, and that the rejection would um, would be removed and that a heart to receive to receive our Messiah uh, would be given, kind of that heart of stone being removed and the heart of flesh being given like Ezekiel saw for our people. So you've mentioned on a lot of our past holiday podcasts that for a Christian, uh, it's not mandatory that we celebrate the Jewish holidays, but we're invited to do so. So speak to our Christian audience who's maybe never been to a Seder or is interested in you know doing one, but is now overwhelmed because you just said the manual's 80 pages and they're like, I'm never going to make it through page five if Ezra didn't make it page, through page 23. Like, should they celebrate the Seder and how should they go about doing that? Yeah, super good question. And as we've said with other Jewish holidays that are, we can say, biblical Jewish holidays, commandments of God for Israel, and in the same way that Passover is for every generation, in essence, this is a commandment for you forever to keep. For Jewish people, I'm going out on a limb, but confidently so as I read the Bible, as I read the scriptures and saying there's an obligation for Jewish people to keep this. And people say, well, you're a believer in Jesus. Aren't, aren't you done with the Torah? Aren't you done with these commandments? No, Jesus said, I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. And so recognizing that Jesus fulfilled the righteous commandments of the law, I still keep Passover every year because it's part of that identity, that testimony, that history that I that, that I carry as my own and that one day I want to pass on to my to my children when I have them. Um, and so there's this obligation for Jewish people to keep Passover, but that doesn't mean there's an exclusion for Christians or for non-Jewish people. There's an invitation. It's not an obligation. It's an invitation for Christians to join with with Jewish people, Jewish families, Jewish believers in Jesus and to celebrate this. And Carly, we have some, some uh, it's not 80 pages, I promise, but a great kind of very accessible, mostly English language um, Passover Haggadah we can make available for, for our listeners today. If you kind of want to take a dive in or just dip your toes in the water and say, what's this all about? I promise it's not crazy. I believe you can make it at least to page 30, even though I used to only make it to page 23 or 26. So uh, I say that a bit tongue in cheek, but uh, we want to make that resource available to you today if you're interested. And uh, if you have a Jewish friend, extended family member, coworker who you know does celebrate Passover, ask them if they'll walk you through either a full or an abbreviated Passover Seder. Uh, but while you're waiting for that, get the, get the Passover Haggadah, kind of the Seder manual, and check it out. There's some really cool things in there. Yeah, we'll we'll link that uh, either if you're listening on a podcast app in the show notes or um, if you're listening on the website, you can go to the blog for this specific episode or you can go to a Jew and a Gentile org slash Passover. Um, like Ezra said, it's 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 kind of like um, it has like play by play of what happens in the Seder. Um, so it's not overwhelming. It's kind of like a step by step process so that you can walk through it um, and understand the importance of this. So Ezra, you know, we've talked about Easter, we've talked about Passover, some of the things that we've joked about. Um, bottom line, these two holidays for us. Yeah, I think the bottom line and the ultimate commonality 
of Passover and Easter, even though in the way that we express these things and celebrate them in our different traditions, modern day, they feel so very different. Bottom line, they're both about the same thing. They're about deliverance through a lamb. And we know Passover, deliverance through the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of the house from death, and ultimately delivery from slavery into freedom and into the promised land. Uh, Christians and Jewish believers everywhere are celebrating, you know, like John the Baptist saw, or we call him in in kind of the messianic world, Yohanan, John the Immerser, right? Immersing Jewish people who wanted to repent and get serious about God in the in the days when Jesus walked on earth. He sees Jesus coming down the, the slopes to the Jordan River, himself wanting to be immersed by John, even though he's the Messiah, he's the son of God himself. And John looks at him and he says, behold, what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, where did John get that language? Was it just John was poetic? No, he understood that Jesus was the ultimate Passover lamb, the one who was foreshadowed by Moses and the prophets, sent by God in the fullness of time to die for Israel and for all people so that that blood isn't on the doorposts of our house, but the blood is applied through faith in him actually to the doorposts of our hearts. And, um, and, and we're delivered from slavery to sin, and we're delivered into what you can say is the promised land and the fullness of of the destiny and calling God has for each of us. So bottom line, the blood of the Passover lamb that takes away the sin of the world and delivers us from slavery into freedom. Jew and Gentile alike, Carly, we can both celebrate that through Yeshua, through Jesus. Yeah. And during, you know, this year and last year, there's nothing more than all of us need than hope and deliverance. So to all of our listeners, we encourage you, you know, as Easter and Passover come up, just lean into the season, see what the Lord's doing, what he has to say to you during these times. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love if you leave us a review, share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media at the handle A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. If there's anything you want answers to or topics you want us to talk about, you can submit questions at a Jew and a Gentile Discuss.org. Join us next week for another episode. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.